0: I think I got the bird flu. I think I got the bird flu. I'm tired of salad packs. I think I need a bird or two. I think I got the bird flu. I'm tired of salad packs. I think I need What's going on, everybody? It is Jason J. Bird Goldstein here for another episode of The Bird's Eye View. Uh, This is going to be a special edition episode being released on Thursday where I simply just recap Ohio State and look ahead towards the future for them. I'm going to release another episode tomorrow with NFL, NBA, college basketball, a ton of news this week, lots to talk about, but this episode is going to be focused heavily on Ohio State. I wanted the release the day after, but I was too sad and in too much pain I barely left my bed, just soaked the entire day. So was not able to release an episode recapping the loss right away. I had to recuperate and you know get my emotions in check. But sadly, we lost and I'm sad. And look, I, I knew we were gonna lose. I said it on I said it on last week's episode in previewing the Natty that realistically we should lose to Bama. We had a number of guys out. They were one of the best teams of all time. In my opinion, I still think LSU last year was the best team of all time. But this was, in my opinion, the second best team of all time. Although I firmly believe that last year's Ohio State team would have won this game at full strength. But that's just me. I could be biased, but last year's Ohio State team was really good. So let's just get right into recapping the game. Uh, I mean, one thing I said that we had to do was neutralize Najee Harris. I knew we were not going to hold him to 32 yards like we did with with Travis Etienne, but I knew with him, the game was not going to be a blowout like with Clemson. There was no doubt he was going to get 20-plus touches per game, and he only had 78 yards, so we, we did a decent job neutralizing him, at least in the running game, despite missing a number of guys on the defensive line, including Tommy Togai just unfortunately we couldn't stop the pass, including him, including Najee Harris, out of the backfield. He was just doing everything out of the backfield for Bama. A big part of it was the way Steve Sarkeesian called that game, one of the best games I've ever seen called by an offensive coordinator. It's too bad he couldn't revert back to his USC days when he had a drinking problem. I know Texas fans are happy about seeing him coach that game up, and I'm thinking that maybe he is the right coach for them, but they said that about Charlie Strong and Tom Herman. But, anyways, the big thing was we couldn't stop the pass. I I, I said we had to force Mac Jones to beat us by taking Harris out of the game. And while we didn't fully take Harris out of the game, we neutralized him. And, yeah, Mac Jones did beat us. Or really, should I say, Devonta Smith beat us. Everything Steve Sarkisian was doing with Devonta Smith was working. No matter what route he ran, using him out of the backfield, using him as a decoy, everything that Devonta Smith did was working. It was also a poor defensive game plan. What the hell are you doing, putting a linebacker on the Heisman winner? Like Pete, like, Pete, Pete Warner, I know people want to get on him, but at the same time, or excuse me, Tough Borland. Why the hell is Tough Borland on Devonta Smith, one of the most explosive? Excuse me, the most explosive receiver in the country, and one of the most explosive receivers, if not the most explosive receiver, to ever play college football. I truly don't understand the point of having a linebacker cover him. A defensive game plan where everyone knew Devonta Smith was going to get his yards, was going to get his catches, so we decided to sag off on him and try to make tackles on him in the open field. Horrible game plan because he was just making guys miss the minute he was getting the balls, cutting up field, running past the entire defense. I, I truly don't get that game plan. I get if you play up if you play close on Devonta Smith and you're playing bump coverage, there's a good chance he might beat you deep. But you know, play, but if, clearly, if sagging off him, sagging off of him isn't working, you have to change something up and maybe play tight on him. I know Sean Wade has been awful outside this season. He needs to go back to he needs to play slot if he wants to have a successful career. But it was just just an awful performance from the secondary. Maybe try to double team Devonta Smith. Although it seems like at this point there was nothing we could do. He was just unbelievable. I uh, won the MVP despite only playing the first half. 200 yards in the first half. Ar- ar- arguably the best performance I've ever seen from a wide receiver. He could have. He might have had 300 yards if he didn't sit out the second half. It was just unbelievable. I'm. St- I'm. St- I was truly stunned with how much he dominated us. I knew there was no neutralizing him the way we neutralized Najee Harris, but I expected at least something. I mean, at least hold him to – don't give, don't let him have 200 yards in the first half and three touchdowns. It truly was an abomination. I mean, it, it, it's clear the pass defense was an issue all year. We ended, we ended ranked 122nd out of 127 teams. And look, I'm sure some of that's a bit skewed from this championship game and Trevor Lawrence throwing 400 yards while trying to come back. Especially when you play eight games, it's going to be a little more skewed. But at the end of the day, it was still a bad pass defense and didn't get the job done. You know, I guess they, they uh, are uh, – especially with Jalen Waddle back, it was going to be a lot harder. Although although it looked clear that he was not 100% in that game. I hope he's okay. I was kind of stunned he was out there. Got to give him a ton of credit. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Sabin Wanted to, I don't think it was Sabin's call to play him, but I think Jalen Waddle really wanted to play in this game, and was, for him it was worth risking potentially damaging his ankle even further. But it's funny, it's a double standard. I feel if this was an Ohio State wide receiver, people would be calling Ryan Day a scumbag coach. But hey, I'm, I'm not here to talk about it. And, and, and yeah, I, I also want to give credit to this defensive line because again, the defensive line limited Najee. Najee Harris even admitted that the guys were getting after him, and they were still without a number of guys, including Tommy Togai, who was the star of the game against Clemson. So it was definitely going to be an issue from the beginning with all the guys we had out. Again, that's still no excuse. Yeah, it sucked on having Tommy Togai. It sucked not having Tyreek Smith, and it sucked not having. Well, okay, the kicker is not a big deal. But the the rest of the rest of the guys were mostly backups. But when you're Ohio State on the defensive line this year, we were doing a lot more rotation play than just having a Chase Young or a Nick Bosa or a Joey Bosa on the line. So when you have do heavy rotation, missing a lot of guys on the defensive line is really, really gonna hurt this team. It, it was bound to be a struggle when we had all those guys out. And then Trey Sermon gets hurt on the first play, and that's sort of when when you kind of knew it was over. Just uh, and again, like, Master Teague, he was fine. He had the two touchdowns, but he like he didn't play bad, but Trey Sermon was playing on another level where I don't know if this Alabama defense could have stopped him. And with Master Teague, a lot of his game is power running. It's so hard to win with a power run style against this big physical Alabama defense. When you're Trey Sermon and you have great ball carrier vision and know how to find the right hole and cut in the open field, that adds a whole explosive element to the Ohio State offense. I mean, Getting hurt on the second play just seemed like it was going to kill this team. And, you know, early on, they still kept it close. Uh, obviously, one of those touchdowns came off a big turnover, uh, the one, the only turnover from Alabama in the game. And, and So at that point, it's 14-14. Then it becomes 21-14, and we kick a field goal to make it 21-17. Some people question Ryan Day's decision there, but in my opinion, I'm okay with it. I know field goals aren't going to win the game. But you're at the six-yard line, and this Bama defense has been making a lot of plays on you. In my opinion, kick the field goal. Hope you get a stop. Hope you get a stop, or at least hope you force Alabama into three points and still a touchdown game. But unfortunately, after it's, after it's then, at Bama scores, it's 28-17. We have to march down the field and score. They punt the, They punt the next possession, and at that point, it's clear that the game was over and we were not going to beat Alabama. Uh, it just it sucked, especially once Wyatt Davis went down with injury. There was zero shot. We were going to come back. Being down, our, being down our star running back, being down one of our top offensive linemen, there was just very, very little chance that Ohio State really could have came back in this game. It, it, it sucked, but it is what it is. We, we played a great team. We played a much better team. We played one of the best teams to ever play college football. And we still hung around for a little bit. I I really wonder how this Ohio State team would have done at full strength. Oh, and uh, it's official. Urban Meyer is officially going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So breaking news there for uh, other Ohio State people. I'm interested to see how he does there. Obviously, you would see at Ohio State he hated losing. Whenever he'd lose a game, he would literally have an aneurysm. But... It's the about you know, that's also you're in college, one loss could potentially derail your season where in the NFL, that's not the case. I am curious to see how he does for the Jags, though. Uh, a lot of his a lot of his talent was a lot of his coaching talent was built off heavy recruiting, great recruiting and bringing in talent. There was plenty of games at Ohio State. Uh, I can name a few off the top of my head. Michigan State the year after we won the championship, running the ball to Zeke eleven times in the rain. There was the game against Purdue. There was the game against Iowa where maybe where either the X's and O's weren't great or Urban Meyer didn't get the guys ready for, the, for these games because thought it would be a pushover game. So, you know, as great of a recruiter as Urban Meyer is, I'm interested to see how he does with the X's and O's. Really interested to see the staff he brings. Hope he doesn't take any of our Ohio State staffers. Uh, I could see him making Tom Herman the OC. Uh, but, yeah, Urban Meyer – Congratulations on being the coach of the Jaguars. Really excited to see what you could do for them there. Uh, let's quickly cut back to the game. I just that breaking news just happened, and yeah, like I said, I'm not going to use injuries as an excuse because we've dealt with this all season long, and we were in the championship game for a reason. We beat Clemson without a number of guys. We beat we crushed Michigan State without a number of guys. We beat Northwestern without a number of guys. Uh, I'm not, I'll be honest. I'm not sure how hurt how healthy Justin Fields was. Again, I'm not making an excuse for Justin Fields. He was able to play in the game. And if you're able to play in the game, you should perform at a high level. If he, I don't care if he had the injury or not. Fields still had to perform at, at his highest level if he's playing in that game. Uh, and I'll be honest, though. It wasn't all on Justin Fields, that loss. I know the stats aren't great, just 17-33. But a lot of that goes on the Bama defense. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Smith and Jobu. Rucker, Farrell were all well covered the entire game. It was really hard for anybody to get open. His decision making wasn't porous in this game. You know, he he didn't he didn't throw any interceptions. It was more so Bama playing a great having a great defensive game plan than Justin Fields struggling. But regardless, this game is still gonna hurt his stock because this he just didn't he, just, he didn't he didn't play well. But the loss is hardly on him. It just it fricking sucks, man it really just sucked not uh, losing all the guys that we lost our QB being someone hurt at, at the end of the day i don't know if it makes a difference at the end of the day i don't know if it makes a difference this bama team was just too damn good and a lot of our injuries were in the defensive line no matter who no, or not, no matter who played nobody was stopping devonta smith because, again, our secondary was not good all year. And you can't put a linebacker on the most explosive receiver in college football. Oh, my God. And, again, just Sark. What a g- what a game he coached. What a great game he coached. Uh, I want to look ahead now to Ohio State. Oh, So this offseason, we're certainly going to lose... Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, Justin Fields, Chris Olave, and Trey Sermon on offense. That being said, I've seen that Thayer Munford could be returning, which would be huge for Ohio State. Uh, entering Monday night, according to the Pro Football Focus, he had allowed just zero sacks and two quarterback pressures on 224 snaps. And overall in the season, he had the fourth highest grade in the Big Ten for, in the Big Ten history for a tackle with a 91.8 grade. If he does come back, that's massive, especially because he'll be playing opposite of Nicholas Petit-Freer. And this was one of the best tackle duos in the country last season. Both of them coming back would just add more continuity on the offensive line and gives Ohio State potentially the best tackle duo in the country come 2021. Uh, And then plus, we're also going to have Harry Miller. He set the return. And we have a highly touted freshman, Paris Johnson, set the step into a big role. I believe he was the top offensive lineman in the 2020 recruiting class. So he'll probably step in where Wyatt Davis is. So I'm really excited to see what Ohio State's offensive line looks like next year. And this offensive line returned three All-Americans from the 2019 team. And next year's line has the potential to be even better than them. So I'm really excited for that. In terms of the skill positions, uh, Garrett Wilson is going to be the clear-cut number one wide receiver for this team now. He's going to have a season similar to what Olave would have had had Ohio State been able to play a full 12-game regular season. But then I'm also excited to see the freshmen. Jackson Smith and Jeeba, he played sparingly as a freshman. He's going to step into a much bigger role next year. Excited to see what he can do. And then there's Julian Fleming, who I expected to have a big year as a freshman. He was the number one wide receiver in the 2020 class. ESPN actually has him ranked as the number one recruit. He's going to play a massive role for the Buckeyes next year. And I'm excited to see what these three can do at wide receiver for Ohio State next season. And then there's Travion Henderson, who is the number one back uh, in, the, in the country in terms, of being, in terms of recruiting. Now, Ohio State in the past has shown that they played true freshman running backs. They did it with Mike Weber. They did it with J.K. Dobbins, both who excelled as freshmen at Ohio State, as true freshmen. Neither of these guys were as highly touted recruits as Travion Henderson is, so I imagine he's going to be next year's starter, so I'm thrilled. I cannot wait to see what Travion Henderson brings to the table for Ohio State next year. And in terms of quarterback, I actually am interested to see what we're going to do. Uh, it's most likely going to be CJ Stroud. Uh, he played a little bit this year in the blowouts. Uh, it's definitely not set in stone, though. Uh... I will say, C.J. Stroud is probably the least hyped Ohio State quarterback to come out in a long time. So uh, I'm interested to see what he does. Obviously, the talent's going to be there next year. Like I said, we're going to have that great offensive line. We're going to have Garrett Wilson, Julian Fleming, Smith and Jobu as three great receivers. Uh, Luke Farrell's going to be gone. Ho- hopefully, Jeremy Ruckert stays. There's I'm unsure. No one really knows about Jeremy Ruckert. He could go to the NFL. He could stay. You know, when you're a tight end, you know tight ends are there's a tight ends are not as highly valued as much. So based on their college stats and from and from his game film, he's probably the third or fourth best tight end in this class. So uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. I would love for him to stay for another year because having him would be a major weapon for this offense. He makes some unbelievable grabs for the Buckeyes the past two years. Uh, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. We're losing a lot on the, in the defensive line. Tyreek Smith, Haskell Garrett, and Jonathan Cooper should all be gone. Possibly Tommy Togiai. However, we still have a ton of strength. Zach Harrison should be a full-time starter next year. Zach Harrison, former five-star recruit, has played sparingly. As a freshman, he played behind Chase Young. As a sophomore, he was in and out of the lineup with COVID, and he was playing on a defensive line that was Heavily rotation-based. So he wasn't playing a majority of the snaps this year. But with some of the guys we stand to lose, he probably will play a lot more next season. And again, he's shown a ton of flashes. We also have Teron Vincent and Tyler Friday, who should be returning. And these two guys also played key roles in the defensive line rotation. So I truly believe that D-Lon is going to remain a strength of this Ohio State team. And of course, coming in, Number one college, fo- college football recruit, Jack Sawyer. This kid is going to be an absolute beast for Ohio State. He is the next great defensive lineman to come out of Ohio State. Like, like the Bosa's were, like Chase Young was. I cannot wait to see what he does because he's going to impact this defense from day one. And in three years, he'll be going top five, much like Nick, Chase, and Joey all did uh on on linebacker I'll be honest this is a unit I'm not too, I'm unsure about there's a lot of veteran guys there Warner Browning Hilliard and Tuff Borland uh I'm sure I think I believe Tuff Borland is going to be gone for sure I believe he's a redshirt senior and then And then I saw Justin Hilliard does have another year of eligibility left. The the way he played against Clemson, the way he played against Alabama, the way he played against Northwestern, he's gotten a lot better. If he can come back next year, I'd love to see what he can do with his last year of eligibility. And he could potentially, and stepping into a major role, being one of the key leaders of this defense. Uh, Let's move on to the secondary. I've seen rumors that Sean Wade might stay, and I think he should. He tanked his stock this season. And look, yeah, people might say, oh, but he was still first-team All-American, still first-team All-Big Ten. To be honest, I have no idea how he got on those lists. It could possibly be because of his name, but he should not have. Uh, he needs, if he stays, he needs to go back to playing slot corner. It's clear Sean Wade was not meant to play outside, for, uh, play outside corner. And I could be wrong. Maybe next year he plays outside, and after having a full year of experience under his belt, and a full-off season of practice, he'll be a lot better at outside corner. But in my opinion, he should stay to really increase his draft stock. Uh, That being said, uh, Tyreek Johnson and Cam Brown and Savion Banks, I hope they all stay. Savion Banks and Tyreek Johnson are both juniors. Uh, However, neither of them would probably go too high in the draft. So I can see both of them coming back. And As well, they both gained a lot more experience and should be key starters for Ohio State. I want to see what Cameron Brown does next year for Ohio State as well. He played sporadically in the secondary. Wasn't great. Wasn't perfect. I'm hoping that these three guys can sort of handle the outside, allowing Sean Wade to move back into the slot. And that's and not having Williamson hurts. Williamson was great against Clemson. But he's, gonna, he's a senior. He's most likely going to move on and leave Ohio State. I would wish he could be coming back next year. But unfortunately, he won't be. And that's you know, Ohio State's not to replace him. Even though they've placed they put a bunch of DBs in the NFL recently, a ton of first round picks, Ohio State has not ha- recruited the cornerback position well in the past few years. Not the way they have with wide receiver, tackle, quarterback, and running back. Uh so while while Ohio State stands to Ohio State, they still land to lose a ton of talent, but we lose a ton of talent every year, and we just are going to retool, as we always do. We're still going to be the Big Ten favorite, as Ohio State is, every single year. And on this offense, there's still a ton of talent. Like I said, Travion Henderson, I can't wait to see what he does as a freshman. Julian Fleming and Smith and Jobu stepping into bigger roles, while Garrett Wilson takes over the number as the number one. These are three of the highest-rated receivers that Ohio State has ever recruited in the history of the program. Really excited to see what we build on the offensive line next season. So there's still a ton of, to look forward to for Ohio State. But I'm also really looking forward to 2022. Like I, I said a few weeks ago, we have Quinn Ewers, their number one quarterback in 2022 coming to Ohio State. And with him there and starting, this team is in a position to succeed, especially with this 2020 recruiting class having a lot of guys being juniors and the 2021 class having gained their freshman experience and really stepping into starting roles as sophomores. Again, I'm still sad we lost this game, but at the end of the day, I love this team, and I'm so proud of Ohio State for the fight they showed this year. They almost didn't play a season, and then they had multiple games canceled because of COVID. They had multiple guys in and out of the lineup this year, a lot of practices being canceled, never got to have their full rhythm. So they faced a ton of adversity this season. People questioning if they should have made the playoff or not. Nobody giving them a chance against Clemson, and hell... They made it all the way to the national championship. I love this team. I am incredibly proud of this team. Despite the tough loss, I am so proud of these Buckeyes. uh so that's about it for talking Ohio State. Uh, I like again, again, I'm sad. Really sad we didn't win. But I love this team. Uh, keep an eye out. This uh, keep an eye out for tomorrow's episode where I talk where I recap Wild Card Weekend, I preview the divisional round coming up, I talk about the big trade that happened in the NBA, talk about what's recently been going on in college basketball, and I also introduce a new segment tomorrow called Soccer in 90 Seconds. You don't want to miss tomorrow's episode. It's going to be a packed one. And remember, go subscribe to the Bird's Eye View on Spotify to get your content. Go follow the Birdseye View on Instagram for all the latest updates when episodes are dropping, and for all my live reactions to games, follow J Birds View on Twitter. Thank you everybody and have a great rest of your day.